0: Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I want to take a moment and uh, welcome a special guest. Uh, Mayor Jim Langfelder has joined us this morning, and it's a blessing to have you here. Mayor, would you stand up? Just wave at the folks, let everybody know that you're here. Welcome this morning, Mayor. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, it's been a blessing to work with the mayor. I uh, sat in his conference room uh, last year sometime, and uh, we devised a plan along with, of course, Tony Libri, who is basically the developer of this property now, and um, he's been a pleasure to work with. He has. Uh, bent over backwards and said listen whatever you need Um, I want to see Benedictine come back to life I want to see Ursuline Academy what it used to be I want it thriving in that neighborhood and he was thankful to us for being a part of that and we just want to thank you for working with us again mayor thank you so much for helping us we appreciate it so much thank you Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a good day today. Amen. Amen? So thank you all for coming. Thank you to the staff and everyone on the staff that's been a part of making today happen as well. Uh, There's been a lot of hours. Thank you to each and every one of you. Um, who have been giving, who have been praying, who have been a part of painting and carpeting and carpentry and plumbing and all of the things that it took to make this place uh, go from a gymnasium into a sanctuary, go from uh, science classrooms into kids' rooms. And, uh, of course, there still is more to do, a fellowship hall and a more adult education, but we're thankful to be in here today. And you were part of of this historic day, so thank you for coming. We welcome you all in the name of the Lord. those of you that are here from the neighborhood. um, I know that we passed out uh, 500 flyers. Uh, Is there anybody that came from the neighborhood? This is maybe your first. Can we just welcome them? Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you for coming all the neighbors that I've, that I've spoken to. just like, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, for being a part of our neighborhood and for bringing life. And so we thank you for coming and being with us today. We're here for you. Um, if you need anything, you, this is a safe place. We're here to minister to you life and the word of the Lord. So welcome in the name of the Lord. Good to have you here. And, uh, thank you to my family who is, Uh, sitting on the front row, I could name them all, but uh, uh, they've driven from uh, uh, up around Peoria, Indiana, uh, Kentucky, Missouri, Peoria, all over the place. And so welcome to my family who's here today. It's a great day to be here. And to my, of course, my biggest fan, my wife, thank you for loving me and, and helping me be here. Praise the Lord. So uh, today, uh, I want to talk about, I don't want to talk about us, it's going to be a, just a small portion of that, but I want you to know that God loves grand openings. And uh, I, I know that for a few reasons. He created the cosmos. I don't know what that looked like when he went, ta-da, there's the cosmos. But that's the grand opening, that's the mother of all grand openings right there. And uh, Uh, All the way to the book of Revelation, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But God loves grand openings. And I was thinking that there were three barren women at the beginning of all of this. Abraham's wife, Sarah. Then we have Jacob's wife, Leah. And then Rachel. And, uh, of course, Sarah had Isaac. Leah in Genesis 29 31 the Lord saw that Leah was not loved and he opened her womb and then we have Simeon and then of course Rachel birthed Joseph in Genesis 30 22 then God remembered Rachel and he listened to her and he did what he opened her womb and so uh, God is into grand openings and to save you you know from about a four-hour sermon I'll just uh, enunciate a couple more. How about when, when, when Jesus, when God incarnate uh, with Moses, opened the Red Sea in Exodus chapter four. I mean, that was a grand opening, wasn't it? Uh, then I thought about the paralyzed man who couldn't, couldn't get in to see Jesus, but he had his friends rip open the roof of the house. I mean, if you were sitting in the house and you looked up, that would be a grand opening, right? right. Then you have uh, Peter's vision. I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is after the resurrection. And the question is whether or not the gospel should go to Gentiles. And so in Acts chapter 10, he, he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet came down uh, to the earth by its four corners. And in that, Peter had a revelation that the gospel should go to everyone when the heavens were opened. And then of course, when the temple, uh, the curtain in the temple was torn, Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence in the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, remember the curtain tore in two, that was a grand opening for you and for me. And I think uh, we save the best to last, which would be Jesus' tomb. This isn't Easter. It's not an Easter message, but that is the message of Easter. That was a grand opening. And, And I don't know if you know or not, but the tomb was opened not so Jesus could get out. He was already out. It was open so we could look in and say, ah, yes, he's not here. A grand opening. So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about grand openings. I'm gonna, if you'll allow me about five minutes to tell you a little bit about our journey. Destiny Church is just four years old. We started on the far west side of town. Uh, we started on it, it at KC Hall, the Knights of Columbus. We ended on a Catholic uh, university and, and school. So, maybe God's trying to tell us something, you know. I don't know. But praise the Lord. And we're glad to be here. And that, that's our journey. We, we, we started four years ago. And then we had a little... Uh, we had a wandering in the wilderness at the town and country shopping center, you know, in our strip mall. But we made we made that place a sanctuary of God when we when we showed up because, you know, the building isn't the church. We are the church. So the church is wherever we are gathered. And so we pray for those that are in Ukraine right now. Right. That's the church. Those are our brothers and sisters. And wherever two or three are gathered in my name, th- there we are. We just happen to be here because wherever you are, there you are. And that is the church, and that's how we got here just four years ago. So thank you for being a part of of this grand opening, this 32,000-square-foot facility that is paid in full. Yeah? Praise the Lord. That's a miracle, right? And all the paint and all the carpet, we paid for as we went, and so thank you for that. We, uh, as you walked through the foyer this morning and you saw that pile of rocks, maybe you stopped and read the cornerstone. And the scripture on that is really our heartbeat. And it says this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. And when we came to this place apart, a lot of this, the walls were broken and it was ruined in some regard. But God says, no, you're gonna be a repairer of broken walls and you will rise up the age old foundations you'll be called a repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. God loves grand openings. And he celebrates with us today, I believe. Um, There's another grand opening that's coming very soon. I don't know when it will happen, um, but you can mark my words, you can write it down. It's a fact. That's when heaven opens for us. Heaven's grand opening. I mean, no man knows the day or the hour. Now, there's a beginning, there's a middle and the end of that grand opening. It's the beginning, it's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end, that's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is What? Coming again. That's a grand opening when the heavens open, right? Then, in the middle of the book of Revelation, that's the beginning of the book of Revelation. Then, in the middle of the book of Revelation, there's some other grand openings that happen. And Jesus is in charge of those. There's the opening of the seven vials and the opening of the seven seals. And you can read all about that in the book of Revelation. Jesus is the one doing the grand opening. And then, at the end of Revelation, So that's beginning, middle, and end. Here at the end of Revelation 19, John the Revelator says, I saw heaven standing. What? Open. The grand opening. I saw heaven standing open, and before me was a white horse whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes worse. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head, crown him with many crowns. Anybody know that song? It's an old hymn of the church. His name is written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. You want to know who Jesus is? Just read the word. You'll find him. He's right there. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth came a sharp sword, which was to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, and whenever I read that, I always think of like Miss America, like the the, the little banner thing, you know? I don't think it's gonna be that cheesy. I think it's gonna be a little nicer than that, right? And on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. I mean, what a grand entrance. God loves grand openings, right? There's another grand opening I wanna talk about today. And this one is mandatory attendance. You can't call in sick. Sorry, Mr. Mayor, it's not some lame holiday like Cashmere Plasky Day. I'm sorry (laughs) about that. You can't get a note from your mom. You can't run and hide from this one. It's 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And each one of us will receive what is due him, for the things done while we were here in our body, whatever good or bad. So this grand opening that you have to attend is when you stand before him and the Lamb's book of life is opened. It's the book's grand opening. You know, like when you go to a, to a nightclub, not that this has ever happened to me because I don't frequent nightclubs too often, but, <laughs> but you know, you get in that line where they have the little stanchions and the ropes and you get up there and there's a guy with the book, you know, and he's, you tell him your name and you look and he goes, oh, you're not here. Right. Well, you're not getting in. Well, my mom's in there. Sorry. My grandma's in there. My dad's in there. Nope. Sorry. Your name's not in the book. And, and I was thinking about the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, my mother is here today. God bless her. It was her birthday the other day. God bless you, Mom. Thanks for not, not whooping me so hard when I was a kid. But, um, I remember I had a flashback. I told my wife about this. I attended my, uh, well, back in the day, uh, in sixth. well, in all of our grade schools, somebody said they didn't do this when I told this to them. But during the parent-teacher conference, you had to go as a student with your parents, and like sit there between them, there were bookends, mom and dad, right? And there you were, and there was God, I mean the teacher on the other side of the table. And you know, and, and then oh, they have nice little chit chit, Mrs. Sarf, sixth grade, Ellie Stark grade school, Pekin, Illinois. I sit there, I hated, I hated, 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 teacher-parent conferences because they always ended with, Eric would be a good student if he would apply himself. And if he just stopped daydreaming and looking out the window, he, he, he'd be a good student. That's how they generally ended. But they all began with chit-chat between Mrs. Sarf, my sixth-grade teacher, and my mom and dad, and everything. And, and you know, they got that 15-minute time slot on the paper outside the door so you know there's other parents lining up again. And then she does this thing. Well, let's see how Eric did this quarter. And she opens up that little black book. Right? Right, right, right? And I she... Oh. Um, like she didn't know already, but she went to the authority, which is the book. And she's ah. Um. You know, I was I was a kid that was happy with C's. I mean, that's average. I didn't mind being average. I thought average was okay. My name was in the book. Your name will either be or not be in that book when you get to heaven on that day. It's not gonna be a roll of the dice. You have a choice. You you can choose to have your name in the Lamb's book of life. In Revelation 20, verse 11, then I saw a great white throne. Mm. And him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence. Can you imagine that the sky said, I'm not going to be here for this. <laughs> <laughs> they fled from his presence. There was no place for them. and they saw, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And there they were. They were what? Opened. Another book was open, we're talking about grand openings today, which was the book of life, the dead were judged according to what they had done in those books. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in that book, the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's monumental. And the reason I'm here is because I want your name in the book. And the reason that your mom prayed for you all those years is because she wants your name in the book. See, they say that there are no such thing as grandchildren in the kingdom of God, only children. You know what that means? You can't get in on somebody else's coattail. Well, I know my my mom's in there, my grandma's in there, my dad's in there, my uncle's in there, my great-great-granddad's in there. No, we got to have your name on the list. And that's the Lord. I mean, I love the little euphemism of Peter standing at the pearly gate. I get all those little cartoons, and that's great. But the, he's not here. This is, you're standing before the throne room of God, and Jesus is there, the one who opened heaven, and now he's going to open the book. And he's going to look down that book, and he's going to make sure that your name is there. Well, how is it that you assure that your name is there? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because that's the best and the final and the most important grand opening, and that's the grand opening of your heart. So Father, we come now in the name of Jesus. Would you just pray with me? And I thank you, Lord, that you have the ability to open even the hardest hearts. That someone may came in here today gritting their teeth and arms folded and so what, and big deal, somebody made me come. But Lord, we're here today, and I ask that you would soften our hearts. That Lord, you would remind us why we went to all of this work and why we stand here. Not so that we can have a new building, but so that we can tell more people about the grand opening that's coming soon, that's mandatory for all of us, and that our hearts will be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. See, Christianity Christianity is a thinking, one of the reasons I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't give my life to the Lord till I was in my 20s, right? So uh, I didn't think Christians knew how to have fun. And one of my deals that I cut with Jesus when I gave my heart to him was, if I'm going to do this, can I still have some fun? He said, yes. I said, okay, I'll I'll do that. I'll go for that. Because a lot of Christians just walk around with a sour face. It's like, well, I gave my heart to... Well, why don't you tell your face that you gave your heart (laughs) to Jesus? Right? That would be a good thing. (laughs) Like, I I saw a bunch of Christians. They didn't look like they were happy about what they had. So why would I want that? Right? They 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 didn't have fun. And it, it seemed like everyone was just kind of mindless about everything and you'd ask a couple of questions and they would just, re, you know, resort back to what the pastor says. And so I went on a journey myself because I didn't want to trust my eternity with what somebody else said. I wanted to know what Jesus had to say, right? I think that would be more important. As much as I trust David, you know, if he tells me something, I'm, I'm, you know, but if I'm going to stake my life on it, who's the authority, and so that's why I did all my schooling. and That's why I went there. You know what? i tell you something about Jesus. He's not afraid of your hard questions. Yeah. You know, in some church circles, somebody asks a question, well, what about this? And you get offended because they don't think exactly like you think or maybe they're just asking a question and rather than having a good answer for them, you get angry at them. How dare you? Well, just believe. And you Like, wait a second. That, that's not, I don't think that's how Jesus would have responded. I think Jesus would have leaned in. Really? Well, that's a good question. Well, let's talk about that. So I want to tell you that when you become born again, it's not like you have some sort of frontal lobe lobotomy performed on you. Christianity is a thinking man's religion. You got to be a thinker. He's not afraid of your questions. Because in Christ are all the answers. I mean, in the most simplistic sense, the answer to every problem you have is Jesus. More of him in your life. And the more you find him and the more you seek him, the more he opens your heart. It's an amazing thing. So think, yes. Reason, yes. But I think we all realize, particularly when you watch television, you watch a news report about something tragic, and you get sad and you cry. Or the really inspiring things like in a sporting event or something, or the where somebody stumbles and falls, but they get up and they run, and they just, and they, and you're like, uncontrollably, you get him. You you know, you get all kind of worked up about that. You're not thinking at that point. That means there's something bigger than your mind at work in that moment, right? More than your rationale. So you have a mind and you have a will, but you know what? God also gave you emotions, right? Well, I'm happy. I love Jesus. (laughs) Well, you know, that may be true. That may be true. But you know, you go to, a, you go to a, a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game and you're standing, you're clapping, you're shouting, you're come on! But you come to church. Well, church should be reverent. Yes, I agree. I think there's a time for reverence. But I don't think that's all the time. I think when the, when the disciples arrived at the empty tomb, they went, shh, that's not. No, they were excited, right? When, I mean, when Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water, I don't think he went like, Oh, let's not. Let's be quiet about this. No, I think he was pretty pretty stoked about it, right? So yes, yeah, some people clap, some people shout. I've been in services. I'm like, I've see, get the run on. You ever seen been in a church where somebody gets the run on? And I'm talking about. I'm not talking a run on sentence. I'm talking about a run on. And I'm like, all of a sudden they just they just can't contain themselves. You know, I've been in services where, where somebody you know comes down front and they're praying and they fall down, right? So that like really shouldn't freak you out because. Why are you watching them anyway, right? So, and and because, and because, and because I don't mind hard questions, and I ask hard questions, like professors in school, Uh, you know, when somebody gets prayed for, sometimes they fall down. Why why does that happen? His answer, Uh, because they can't stand. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, some of it's just not hard. Some of it's not hard. I'm not going to say it was all hard, but some of it's not hard, right? So we have this thing inside of us called our heart. These emotions that, that don't drive us, but they're part of who we are. And, and before I really gave my life to the Lord, you know, you have this thing inside. Let's just call it your heart. You know, not that thing that pumps blood, but this, this soulish realm, this thing inside of you that... That communi- communes and communicates with something greater than your mind. Are we all on the same page there for a second? All right, so, so David, oh David, we love David. David in the Bible was an amazing man. Yeah, he was a murderer, an adulterer. All these great people in the Bible had some pretty big flaws. They were liars and cheaters and murderers. right? Well, I could never go to church and be a hypocrite. Well, join the crowd. Join the crowd. We're just all on a journey, right? We're following after Jesus. Doesn't mean we don't stumble. Doesn't mean we don't fall. But we do get back up again. And we say, okay, that was not a good idea. We should try, we should try something else, right? So this is how it works. It's not hard. David, who did all those terrible things, um, after he committed adultery with the woman that wasn't his wife, he didn't want anybody to find out. So he had his, her husband murdered. Oh, King David, he's a good guy. I want to be a heart like David. No, no, no. Here's what David wrote in Psalm. Created me a clean heart. Yes, Yes, we can renew our mind. Yes, we can have all that. But there's something inside of you when you stand alone all by yourself in your bathroom and you look yourself in the mirror that's bigger than your mind. You see inside your soul. And it's a universal plea. Lord, created me a clean heart. Scrub it clean. Wash me whiter than wool. Take away the stain. Give me a fresh start. And Jesus says, I'm just the person to do that. You can't do it. You can't be good enough. Right? Well, if my good things outweigh my bad things, well, join the human race. All of your bad things are much greater than those three good things that you always remember. Like like when I come home, I tell my wife, did the dishes. I did the dishes today. Did the dishes. And I folded some laundry. I know, thank you, thank you, thank you. You You know? (laughs) But all the other stuff. See, what I like about this idea that God can come in and give us a clean heart is it's a heart transplant, right? It's a heart transplant surgery. It's not pumping well. You got stuff in the corners of your heart that you'd be embarrassed if they hit the front page of the paper or if they hit the TV screen, right? (laughs) Or if your wife found out, or your kids found out, or your husband found out, and you keep them all patted down, tamped down in the corner. But see, God knows. See, God knows. So that's why we say, God created me a clean heart. I need a heart transplant, a brand new one. It's a new beginning. Happened to me about 37 years ago. It's happening to some of you right now. Well, some of you can remember a date what was on my confirmation? It was, or, or, or as an adult, I got water baptized, or maybe I was at a certain place. I went to this meeting, and the pastor, the preacher, gave an opportunity to say, listen, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you feel your heart's being open to the gospel, then give your life, and then you prayed that prayer. And some of you prayed that prayer mm, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 times, but then finally it stuck for some reason. When there was enough faith mingled with it, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm here to tell you that I don't have all the answers, please. Because if I can reason you into the kingdom, somebody with a bigger degree is going to reason you out of the kingdom. So this is not about here. God calls us what? Believers, not understanders. So at some point, you come to the line and you go, I can't. And you say, I don't understand, but I'm going to step over the line anyway. And when you step over the line, whoo, that's like going to the front line at Disney World. Boom, speed pass, whatever they call that thing. And that doesn't mean you have all the answers, but now you know the one who is the answer. Jesus said of himself, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one's going to get to the Father except by me. You believe in God? Oh, I believe in God. Nobody can judge me but God. I believe in God. I believe in God. Jesus says, great. You believe in God? Believe also in me. That's what he says. Well, Jesus is just a good teacher. Well, if he's a good teacher, then you should do what the good teacher says, and that is give your life to, give your life to God through Jesus. Trust in his sacrifice. So he is either a good teacher or he is crazily insane. And you have to make that choice. Each of us in our own lives have to make that choice. He either is who he says he is, even though you may not understand all that there is about him, you still Love and appreciate those precepts. I don't understand how gravity works. Yes, I know. They told me in sixth grade what gravity is. But I don't know how water sticks to the bottom of the globe. I just don't know how that happens. (laughs) But I've been there, and it's stuck there. So we don't understand everything, but we can believe. Amen? And so... God is the one who opens hearts. It's like God is the one who opens wombs. Well, I gave my life to Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. This is a little deep in, in the theological weeds, whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminian or you're whatever, but listen to me. Yes, you open your heart to Jesus, but you don't even have the ability. Listen to me. You don't even have the ability to open your heart to Jesus unless he gives you the grace to open your heart to him. Because none of you, honestly, none of us, it was only his grace that got us out of bed this morning. We all could be, somebody could be calling the undertaker today for us. We breathed our last last night and somebody's calling the undertaker. You don't know, but God woke you up this morning because he has a, still has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And, and, and I'll tell you what, it, it, listen, work the nine to five. Do your job, do it for the glory of God. Be the best employee that your employer has. And then use those finances to, to subsidize your ministry to go tell the world about his love. Because if he never does another thing for you, he's already done it all. Amen. So God opened the heart, finally, here of a woman. Her name is Lydia. She lived in the, in the city of Philippi. Uh, and in Acts 13, I want you to see this. On Sabbath, we, this, is, this would be Paul on his missionary journeys. Luke is writing this, so he says we. And, and the entourage that was with Paul. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate where we expected to find a, a quiet place to pray. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there by the gate. And one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. And she, her, her deal was she sold purple cloth. That was her deal. She'd make cloth, and she'd dye it purple. That was her job. She was a seller, a dealer of purple cloth. And she was from a t- city called Thyatira. And she was a worshiper of God. But here's what happened. The Lord, uh-oh, the Lord did what? Open. Opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. God loves grand openings. It's available to you. It's available to me. And it should be done before the grand opening of those books. On that day, well, you know, I'm just going to put it off to the very end, and I'll eventually, I'll, I'll give my heart to the Lord. You don't know when the end is. That's the, that's the thing. But when you give your life to Jesus, you give your heart to Jesus, He takes that cold, hard heart of stone, stone cold. I want to say Steve Austin never for a <laughs> Stone cold heart, and He gives you a new one. Amen brand new one Ezekiel 36 26 I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a what a new spirit in you that's that heart thing like when I gave my life to the Lord driving in my pickup truck down interstate 74 outside of Peoria and I saw this guy on the side of the road it's a long story my heart I began to weep for this guy that was standing on the side of the road, and I, and I couldn't explain it except for I'd gotten my new heart. I'd gotten my brand new tender, my heart of stone had been removed and I got a new stone. And here's the thing, you gotta remember this, The God takes your heart of stone, gives you a new heart, you get a new heart, right? Brand new baby bottom heart, you know what I'm talking about? It's just beautiful. But what happens is your heart can get calloused. You know calluses, like guitar players get calluses on their fingers? Your heart gets callous, and, and Paul even talk, talks to us about having callous. And you know how, you know how callouses happen on your heart? I'll explain it to you real quick. It's like sin is this metal, you know, like the top of a tin can, where you take the top of a can, how sharp those edges are? Now imagine that's in a triangle, and it's pressed up against your heart. And every time you sin, that little triangle turns. One, 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 one little point scrapes your heart. You know when you got a brand new heart and you're really living for Jesus and you're having a great time in the Lord and you, and you enter into sin, there's something inside of you that goes, ugh, oh, oh, that wasn't right, I shouldn't. The longer you ignore it, the more it spins. Your heart becomes calloused and those sharp little points begin to get rounded off and there are people that think they're Christians because they gave their life to Jesus 40 years ago, but they're just sinning, like no big deal. It's just spinning like a, like a fan. So that's why you come to the Lord and you say, create in me a clean heart. Let's do this again, you know, I've I, I messed it up and I need a fresh start. Part of the divine exchange. I love the divine exchange. When you give God garbage, he gives you something beautiful. I don't know if, you got, if you're a guest or a visitor here today, uh, we partnered with uh, uh, Three Twigs uh Bistro, uh, no, Bakery and Bistro. And biscuits and brunch here in town. And in the little welcome card, uh, we buy you a coffee, and, and uh, it's kind of a fun little thing. You get a little card like this. If you didn't get one, stop by the information center on the way out, and we want to treat you to a coffee at Three Twigs this week. I'm just reminded of that because uh, my wife and I, uh, when we go on vacation at this one particular place we like to go to, um, they, when you check in, they give you a card towel, a card, a, a towel card has anybody familiar with what this is they give you a card like a little plastic card and then you when you thank you very much, you have checked in I'm in my room but when you go down to the pool so that people don't take all the towels home this is what this guards against you turn in your card you give the guy the little concierge behind the table's got all the towels you give him your card and then you get a nice fresh towel and you can use it all day long, or maybe you get it wet, and you, want it, and you want a new one, you take it back to the little booth, and you get a, they don't say, oh, stand right here, and we'll, 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 we'll clean it while you're standing here. You know, the, 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 all the chicken wings you ate around the pool, now the grease is all over that, and the, and the creamy cheese is everywhere, and they kind of smoosh it around. And No, they, what they do, you turn it in, listen to me, you turn it in, you get a brand new one back. This is kind of how this works with your life and your heart. In Isaiah 61, it says he binds up the brokenhearted. He gives freedom for the captives, release for those who are prisoners, beauty for ashes. This is the divine exchange where you take, I don't have a better way of saying it. You take the garbage of your life. Paul calls it dung. I'll save the interpretation for later. (laughs) You take the dung of your life and you hand it to the Lord. That all I have to offer you is brokenness and strife. But then he exchanges it. He goes, here you go. He gives you beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness, and the garment of praise. Gosh, God loves grand openings. Okay. That's, that's all I want to say about grand openings at this point, but I am going to land this airplane. We're not gonna circle around O'Hare indefinitely. We are going to land this plane, and it's it's gonna go like this. When you are presented with the gospel, you have a choice to say, yes, I believe that and embrace that, or no, I won't. You have a yes or no answer, because I've met a lot of people over the years, right? They say, ah, I'll do that later. Well, later is a no. Later is a no. Yeah. I'm just breaking it down simple for you. So let me explain to you. I, went, I rehearsed this with someone this past week, and it's very simple, and this is well worth taking notes. Because when you need to make a big decision, there's only three, three things you need to figure out. The first is this, risks to reward. The second is return on investment. And the third is your faith element. So I need to make a decision with my family. Do I buy a house, don't I buy a house? Do I move here, do I not move there? Do I buy a portion of uh, Earthland Academy or don't we? Big decisions in life, like, like giving your life to Jesus. The big decisions, only three things you need to, need to uh, check into. Number one, return on investment, R2R, return on investment. Well, giving your life to Jesus, what's the return on investment? Uh, you, there's no downside to that. Right. <laughs> Risk to reward, zero risk, lots of reward. There is no risk in giving your life to Jesus. So R2R, risk to reward, not a biggie, that's, that's a given. Second one is return on investment. What are we talking about? We're talking about giving your life to the Lord, saying, all right, I don't understand everything, but I do trust you, I'm gonna believe you are the son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins. So what is the return on investment? Should I step into a relationship like that? <laughs> See, I could try to explain to you what that looks like. That's like trying to explain to a 21-year-old what marriage is like right before they get married. Right? And you, you explain to a 21-year-old, this is what marriage is really like, and they just kind of glaze over. Oh, I love him so much. I just love him so much. <laughs> yes, I know you do. But there's coming a time, <laughs> right? Right? come in time when you need a little more than, than the, than the ooey gooey feelings, right? So this is what I'm talking about. So risk to reward, no brainer. Now return on investment. What kind of return will you have on the investment of your life in marriage? You don't have any idea if I mean, 38 years ago when I got married, the return on investment, I gave, yes, I gave my life, but I've received so much more. My life is so much more that I could have never have even expected all that 37 years ago, 38 years ago. So what I'm trying to tell you is you may, in your mind, do some sort of you know, cognition and say, okay, return on investment, blah, blah. No, I'm telling you, it's infinitesimal beyond what you can ever think or imagine how wonderful the return on the investment of your life would be to the Lord. And that's where faith comes in. That's our third step. Risk to reward, return on investment. And then say, okay, risk to reward, okay. Return on investment, great. Okay, and then faith. Well, I don't have any faith. Well, you do have faith. Everyone has been given a portion of faith. That's what the Bible says. Some of you just put it in your bank account, or you have faith in the stock market, or you put faith in your mom, or you put faith in... Your education, You put faith in your connections and, and all that together makes you feel strong and, but then all of a sudden it just all fall, starts to fall apart and the stock market crashes and your money that's all digital gets frozen and all other kinds of crazy, right? So what is the rock that you're going to stand on at the end of life? It's not going to be your education, your degrees. It's just not. What do you believe? That's where faith comes in. So you have a portion of faith. Where have you invested your faith. It's an investment, you're gonna get a return on that investment. So you're gonna step out and you say, okay. You can say this, I am not willing to give my life to Jesus. That's a, that's a, that's a bold statement. Because some, some of you may say, I'm not willing to give my life to Jesus. But I'll ask you this question. Are you willing to be made willing? Is there just a sliver of, if it was really true, because that was my prayer when I prayed to God, 37 years ago, I had the audacity to pray this prayer. If you are who you say you are, that's what my prayer, if you are who you say you are, I will give you my life. That was my sinner's prayer. Pretty, pretty stuck up, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm all that, you'd be pretty, pretty grateful to get me, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I, I took the last step. I considered the risk to reward, I considered the return on investment, and I stepped over and I said okay, on Christ, a solid rock I stand. All other ground, sinking sand. Doesn't mean I, stu- I don't stumble and I don't fall, and all of a sudden I get my eyes off the prize and it gets stupid and crazy or whatever. There's grace for that. But in my heart of hearts, that clean heart that God continually gives me every day, because His mercies are new every day, He gives them to me every day. I go, okay, here we go. Let's do this again. I'm going to try to love people. I'm going to try to be patient with people. I'm try not to get because I really want to get angry at some people. I want to get angry at some people. Pastor Hanson wants. yeah, I want to get angry at people. I would like to do bodily harm to some people. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be known, because some of them are just crazy people. Right? But, but Jesus in me goes, Eric, yeah, slow that up right there. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I, we're all sojourners. We're on this journey together. So those of you that have given your life to Jesus... Say amen. You know what I'm talking about. But those of you that are kind of on the fence, you're kind of, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Maybe the Lord has begun to open your heart today. And you've heard something that's never sounded like that before. And you go, I might be willing to be made willing if if even a portion of what he said is true. Well, then I would challenge you, don't believe me. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever would believe in him, believe in him, not understand him, but believe in him. He'll be called the son, the daughter of God. Yes. That's my prayer for you. That's what this place is here to present to this community. Yes. For broken people, churches for broken people like you and me. Yes. Broken. But he made me whole. He gave me a heart transplant this morning because I needed one at 7.30 this morning when some crazy people ran over my orange cones out there. I needed, I, needed, I needed a new heart. I was in here all by myself. Nice, dark, quiet eyes, just praying. All of a sudden I hear, down the road. I'm like, what the heck? And there goes all my orange cones right down the road. That's real life, right? So thank you. Thank you for considering giving your life to Jesus. And those of you that are just, have a stone heart, tonight when you get home, before you lay your head on the bed, it doesn't have to happen here. The lights don't have to be just right, and the music doesn't have to be just right. You say, God, I'm ready. Make it stick this time. I'm ready. Amen? Stand up with me, please. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We thank you for this place how it is that you love grand openings ha and this place Lord is open for business what is the business the gospel of Jesus Christ the good news that once I was lost now I'm found once was blind now I see I was lame but now I walk I had a broken heart but now I'm whole because of the divine exchange that happened on the cross that day 2,000 years ago and so Lord our heart is in your hands it may be a stone cold heart it may be one that's calloused and a little bit shredded could be a brand new heart just from this morning regardless we give it to you today because all we have to offer you is brokenness and strife but then you do you what you do and you make something beautiful out of a lump of clay so father our heart is with you today we don't do it perfectly but with your help we'll do our best with your holy spirit's help so we honor you today here in this place we lift you up your cross your name not destiny not Eric but you Lord you're the superstar and we love you and if you want to enter into that relationship this morning with me for the first time maybe you just want to have a little heart repair this morning or you need a heart transplant God is here for you with me in your heart Maybe you would just repeat these words after me if you'd like to. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. I'm going to say something about Lord Jesus coming into my heart. Help me, make me new, forgive me of my sins and and I want to honor and serve you. That's the prayer. And we're all going to pray it together if you want to. And let's do that now. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I love you. I don't understand everything. But I'm going to put my faith in you. Create in me a clean heart and restore a right spirit within me. You see how simple that is? That's it. If you prayed that prayer, you go out into the world today, someone's going to cross you in the next 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to get mad or sideways, you don't. You say, "Jesus is living in my heart now." How would Jesus respond? "I want to be that." And you do your best. And when you fail, you say, man, you don't let that little piece of tin become round again. You say, oh, that, that, that hurt. Okay, sorry about that, Jesus. Hey, sorry I said that. Forgive me, would you? Okay, and then you just go on. It's just that simple. That's how it works. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here, and a lot of these people are here. So I'm gonna bless you this morning as you go. Uh, again, thank you all for coming. Thank you for being a part of a monumental day in the life of this church, in the life of this city, in the life of this campus Thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and give you grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.